it's Allegra with your dose of modern life. Healthier, easier, more fun. On today's show, I'm going to talk about why camping is my favorite way to relax and why you should try it out too. And science backs me up on this. Then we're going to have a chat with my friend, Janet Billig-Rich, who is just an amazing woman, serial entrepreneur, Broadway producer, mother of twins. She has teenagers a boy and a girl, and she's going to tell us about some cool ways that she stays connected to them. Then I'm going to give you a fun, easy cooking tip that you're going to love. It's delicious, and it's so good for you. All this and more after this brief musical interlude. See you after the tunes. Now, before I get into my discussion about why I think camping is so amazing, I want to ask you a couple things. One, I'm going to be doing an upcoming episode on the challenge of being a parent and balancing how you pursue your own dreams while also nurturing and supporting your children's dreams. You know, either maybe you think you're doing a good job at that or not doing a good job at that or whatever the case may be. There's no judgment here. I really just want to hear everyone's input and try and figure out if there are some tools, some best practices for how people can, how parents can be their best selves. So whatever the case may be, I'd love to hear your thoughts. And you can share your thoughts with me by emailing me at hello at AllegraRamos.com. That's A-L-E-G-R-E. R-A-M-O-S.com, or you can download the free Anchor FM app, and you can leave me a voicemail message, essentially, and I can play it on the air, which is always really fun. I might even want to interview you, so please share your thoughts. Secondly, my friend Christine Keegan will be back in a couple of podcasts to answer your HR questions or any other questions you might have for her. As always, if you go to AllegraRamos.com slash podcast, you can see a list of my recurring guests and see the topics that they're comfortable talking about. But if you haven't heard from Christine before, she's amazing. She's a fantastic person and she's a former HR director. So she's been answering questions related to the workplace. And she's, she's so insightful. She's really the most diplomatic person I know. So if you have questions for her, please send them in again. Hello at AllegraRamos.com or via the Anchor FM app. So thanks for that. And now on to camping. I did not grow up camping. And it was not until I was in college that I first discovered how much I love camping. And I immediately fell in love with it. And here is why. Here's the number one reason why I love camping. Because one day camping feels like a week's vacation anywhere else to me. It's as simple as that. When I come back from a three-day camping trip, I am so refreshed. It's, it's incredible. And it's funny because, as you can probably imagine from listening to me, I'm a little bit of a busybody. There, there are just a lot of things that interest me. I like to be involved in things, you know. <laughs> that's just how I am. But when I go camping, I've had people comment that they've never seen me do so little for so long. I will just sit in a chair and stare at the fire for hours on end because that's what camping's about for me. And I guess that's part of why I find it so refreshing. However, science actually backs me up on this. And, you know, a lot of people complain about 
not sleeping well. And part of that is because of our exposure to artificial light. It can mess with your circadian rhythm, right? So your circadian rhythm has to do with your sleep patterns, has to do with melatonin in the body, blah, blah, blah. I'm not a scientist about that sort of stuff. So feel free to enter into a web browser, reset body clock with camping, and you will get the research, the articles that came out last year, 2017, about this fact. And what they found is that, you know, the melatonin in your body is regulated better when you go, you know, when you're sleeping without artificial light. So when you go to sleep, you know, when you're tired, but it's really dark. And when you wake up because of the sun and you're refreshed. And so I guess that's part of why I feel so relaxed. I just, I sleep so well while I'm there. But, you know, the other thing too is just the, the, the breathing in of the fresh air and the being under the big sky, you know, it's very restful to your eyes. When I was studying interior design, I took a fascinating class called the psychology of design. And they talk about how there are just certain things that are wired, hardwired in us as humans to like, right? Like we like views because views make us feel safe. They make us aware of the fact that we can see the surroundings. We can see that no one's going to come and attack us. And so we are safe. This is why people like views. You know, we like water features because water features, again, they're a barrier, they're protection. They mean that we will have water to drink. We will probably also have a food source. That's why when you're in water, it releases endorphins. You know, there are all these things that are hardwired into us to like that we don't even think about. And so camping is really just about getting back to the way that we used to live for many, many more years than we have lived, you know, in cities and in buildings and all of that. And that's why it's so relaxing to us. Now, how do I like to camp? Look, for me, honestly, a two-night, three-day camping trip is all I need to feel incredibly refreshed. And when I say camping trip, I mean... You know, I don't, I don't bring an RV. I sleep outside. I cook outside. I have a tent, but I sleep outside. I cook outside. It's about being as close to nature as possible. I'm not roughing it or anything. I'm not backpacking in, you know, there, where I like to camp, there are bathrooms, there are showers. You can buy firewood at the camp store. So it's, it's a certain amount of roughing it, but, but the roughing it is really confined to just, you know, not listening to the radio, not having access to a television, not having the artificial lights. And that's really the most important part of it. So two nights, three days, it's amazing if you can go with friends, but you don't have to. I've camped many times with just me and my husband before we had a child and, and just the three of us now that there are three of us. But if you can get friends, it is super fun. It feels like a little temporary village. We set up swings and hammocks. And when you go with friends, I would highly recommend someone coordinating the meals so that you only have to cook either breakfast or dinner and everyone can just, you know, do their own lunch. But it makes it so nice to only cook one major meal for those three days. So camping, check it out. Check out the science behind it. Again, all you have to do is Google reset body clock camping. Very interesting stuff. And coming up next, my interview with my friend Janet Billigrich. After the tunes. Hey, world. I am here with my friend, Janet Billigrich. Hey, Janet. Hey, Allegra. Hello, world. So Janet and I have been friends for a very long time. Almost, almost 20 years. Oh, my gosh. 
I can't believe it. That sounds like a long time. It's gone very fast. Yeah. It's especially a long time when you're only 25, right? I mean, exactly. And Janet is just a really inspiring woman and mother, which is why I wanted to have her on the show. So just before we, before we talk about the mom stuff, yeah, let's establish what you do, Janet. So I'm going to let you sum it up because <laughs> it's a lot to sum up. Yeah, it could take a really long time to get into my whole career trajectory, but I've worked in the music world for a long time, longer than I've known you, Allegra. And I was a manager of rock bands in the 90s. And after I had kids, I realized when I had twins and when they were about a year old, I realized that my children were more mature and more independent than the majority of my clients. So I decided decided to make a bit of a change in what I did for work and ended up getting a really broad book of business that includes many different facets of the music industry. But mainly, currently, I have a company called Manage This Media LLC, which has been my company for 24 years. And But currently what I do is I clear and license music for theater and film and television and advertising. And um, so I end up in a lot of different businesses, but the main piece of it is music and a lot of it's music supervision and clearance. But your other businesses are not so little. I mean, you're, you're, Janet's being very humble right now. She's really <laughs> downplaying this. When she says, you know, she's worked with some of the biggest names in the music industry I have. So I, when I was managing, I managed Nirvana and Hole. And that's I right. Worked- that's right. She just said Nirvana and Hole, people. And Big. the Breeders and the Breeders and the Lemonheads and Dinosaur Jr. And so I've... Uh, <laughs> and, and one of your little side businesses was a Broadway production. I mean, yes, that's not uh, exactly a little side business. Correct. So when I kind of phased out managing, although I still manage Lisa Loeb. We've been together for almost 25 years and she's an incredible client and artist and I love working with her. So I still do that. I still manage Lisa and we have a great business together. And I also ended up producing some theater, which I've been loving. And I produced a show called Rock of Ages, which actually today is the ninth anniversary of opening on Broadway. It's the- Oh my gosh. That's the 28th longest running show on Broadway oh of my all gosh. The Broadway shows. So um, really exciting. Yeah. So I've had some incredibly exciting and amazing projects in my career that I'm really proud of. And if you are not a musical fan or if you are a musical fan, either way, you'll love Rock of Ages. It's the funniest musical and it just, it appeals to such a broad base of people, right? Because it uses popular music. Yeah. For- so definitely check it out. It's amazing. And then with Lisa, you also do some really interesting things like an eyewear line. Yeah. So Lisa and I have built, the, the music business has changed and shifted so much, especially for artists like Lisa, who are songwriters and rely on royalties. And the songwriting royalties have changed so much with streaming and downloads and people not buying physical records that about 10 years ago, we really shifted what Lisa's business is. And she's got a huge business in voiceover. She's the voice of certain advertising campaigns and she's the voice of several cartoon characters that you see on the Disney channel. And we also created an eyewear line, which you can get at Costco or at lisalobeeyewear.com. And it's been amazing learning entire new businesses 
at uh, <laughs> the learning curve, I have to say, is steep on some of these things, learning the voiceover business and learning the eyewear business. But it's very fulfilling to learn a whole business and then have some success in it. So constantly striving to figure out what new businesses we can be in that'll be um, economically positive, but also, uh, <laughs> also, you know, interesting for us to do on a day-to-day basis because it's all incredibly hard work. That's and Lisa also, Lisa also has some children's music albums out, right? Yeah, we had a huge year this year. She won the Grammy uh, for Best Children's Album in 2018. And uh, so that was about 10 years she's been making kids' music, and it was a culmination of a ton of hard work and she's so creative and incredible songwriter. And we have some great collaborators with this project. The album's called Feel What You Feel. And you can get it on Amazon exclusively. <laughs> but it won the Grammy. So we had a That's huge so amazing. Year. Yeah, it's been super exciting. So for my listeners, as you can hear, <laughs> Janet <laughs> is quite the accomplished woman in a number of different fields. So so let's bring this back to the fact that you have twins and they are how old now? My twins turned 15 at the end of February, which I'm like almost falling off my chair saying that. Oh my gosh. I remember when they were in blankets <laughs> and they are, and she, she hit the jackpot with her twins because she got the perfect, she got a boy and a girl, which I don't know. That was always my dream was to have twins, one boy, one girl, you know, bada yeah, boom, bada bang. I know. I don't know how I won Lotto. Seriously. <laughs> And one, and the reason why I wanted to bring Janet on, besides the fact that she's just inspiring and humble and sweet, sweet person, was also because she has done a couple of things with her kids that I just think are great things to share with people, uh, ways to connect with children. You know, our, our world can be really isolating and disconnected, right, Janet? Absolutely. And, and Janet and I have also, one of the other reasons why we became friends is we were both really active in, in sort of um, neighborhood politics or community organization I don't know how to do that how to describe that best but Janet would help plan block parties in our neighborhood and I was really involved with like emergency preparedness and uh, what's that thing called neighborhood watch that sort of stuff so Janet and I just really believe in being involved in communities in general but can you tell us a little bit about the two different organizations and projects that you've engaged with your kids in to stay close to them and connected to them yeah, absolutely. Um, the first group I got involved with is based on a book and it is called The Mother Daughter Project. And a friend of mine reached out to me. It was actually a friend from work. Um, one of my co-producers on Rock of Ages had reached out to me and said she was starting a group with some other moms that were more from the homeschool community, which is totally not my community at all. But it was a group to engage mothers and daughters in conversations that were maybe hard to have. And the group would be a commitment from the, the girls were seven when we started and the group, it was a commitment for once a month from when they're seven to when they're 18. So I knew going into it, I thought, Oh no, I'm making this huge commitment once a month for, you know, 10 years or 11 years. How am I going to do this? But um, I read a bit about it and I met, the other moms, and they were really different from me, which inspired me because I knew that they bring something to the table for my daughter that I couldn't bring to the table, things I just didn't know about or that I was uncomfortable talking about. 
So I really like the idea of community, like Allegra, what you said about, you know, we were involved in, you know, community, like just even getting sunshades for our local park and, you Mm -hmm. know, you know, cleanup days and meeting our neighbors. And I like community. I think it's important. I think we all do better um, if we work together. It's one of those things like if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, take a group. Oh, yes subscribe to that so I think we all gain more when you're we're collaborative so the mother-daughter project to me was really important because of that and especially not that I love my mom and she was awesome and did the best she could but you know things like I never talked to her about anything like she does she still has no idea I got my period like (laughs) we've never talked about it you you had a virgin birth Exactly. Maybe it just was never anything that came up in our world. It was just sort of figure it out yourself. And I really wanted to give my daughter a different experience. So I thought this mother daughter group, if things I was uncomfortable talking about, these other moms would be really comfortable talking about it. Sometimes I call them my hippie homeschool moms because Mm -hmm. they are, (laughs) but they've taught my daughter things that I've never, you know, as simple as like how to use a sewing machine. Or how to change a tire, like things that, (laughs) you know, I just don't know how to teach my kid. But, you know, between the group of us, we all bring very different things to the table. So um, that's my mother-daughter group with Molly, my daughter. And we've been committed once a month. And, uh, you know, we miss here and there, but we really try to prioritize it because we all get a lot out of it. And we follow the book and there's really, you know, it follows sort of their maturation and different things that they'll be going through at the same time because all the girls are the same age. So, um, And the other thing I like about it, too, is that it also provides a community, a peer group community, that the girls know they can talk amongst themselves about these subjects. They're not taboo. You know, because when you're, like, out in the wider world, you don't know which families are comfortable talking about, you know, sexual reproduction or your period or, or whatever the case may be. But these girls know that within this group, it's a safe space to talk about these things. Absolutely. And to have other grown-up women that know them and know who they are and can have conversations with them. So it's not like if they're mad, you know, it's normal to rebel against your parents and be angry with your mom about things. And no matter how angry my daughter will ever be at me, she's got five other moms (laughs) that she could go to that, that really know her as a person because we do, we meet once a month and we serious stuff and we get into deep deep things and we've all shared about ourselves and our growing up and so they and the girls share and because they're not at school together and they're from sort of different communities there's a really it's a really safe space so i have a question for you because i know i have listeners who are who are single dads or maybe they're married but they are the primary caregiver and they have daughters is there yeah. a way that you think you could spin this for a dad to, you know, play this role for his daughter or create the space Absolutely. for his daughter? You know what? Absolutely. And a mother-daughter group can be a caregiver group. It doesn't have to all just be mothers. But I think, and, and boys need this too, but they need, I think children really need open and clear communication and subjects cannot be taboo. So whether it's a dad or a grandparent or a best friend or a partner, whoever those, if you're an adult in a kid's life, 
I feel like you owe it to these kids to be honest with them about the real world and what they're going to be going through with their bodies and what they're going to be going through with their peers and what's, you know, the queen bees and who is the mean girls and how do you deal with all that stuff? Because it's real. And if you don't talk about it, it's so much more scary when you're in it and when it's happening. So I think dads particularly care, any kind of caregivers, just talk about your own experiences. And I, like I was saying before, it's important for other grownups to talk about their experiences with kids because we all have different, we all come from different places, but all share many similar experiences. And then more kids could hear that it's not just them and they have a billion questions. And if you give them a open and safe space to ask their questions, they will, they want information. And as grownups, it's our job to be open and clear and honest with them. Awesome. And, and then there's this organization that you're part of with your son. I had the opportunity to speak in front of this group. I was really impressed. I, I don't want to get the acronym wrong, so I'll just let you describe them. <laughs> so this is a national organization. It's actually for real. It's called the National League of Young Men. And it goes from ninth grade to 12th grade. And this is our first year with it. So I don't really know as much as I know about it with, as much as I know about the Mother Daughter Project because I've been in it for so long and in a group for so long. This is our first year with the National League of Young Men. And it is, uh, this is a new chapter that um, I'm involved with in the San Fernando Valley, in the Mid Valley. There was one in the West Valley already and there's one in the East Valley. But it takes 30 boys from each grade in high school. So there's 39th graders, 10th graders, 11th graders, and 12th graders. And it's basically a community service organization, but the boys are supposed to get some like real information and life skills from this group and also become more philanthropic. So the organization was started by a group of moms, I think, who wanted to spend more time with their sons. <laughs> um, <laughs> Never a bad thing. Exactly. And also wanted to have more of a community of moms to rely on and discuss specific issues with. So this group is interesting. The moms meet every eight weeks together and the boys meet every six or eight weeks together and there'll be community service projects that the boys and the moms do together and we have speakers and thank you again Allegra for coming to both speak to not only the moms group but also speaking to the boys and I think they got so much out of what you had to share about real life skills and I think sometimes boys are expected to either know how to do things or not do them (laughs) And I think we have to give them the tools to be able to be competent out in the world that there aren't sort of cookings for girls and setting the tables for girls. Like that's just not the world we live in. And I don't want a boy who thinks that's the world we live in. I want my son to know how to cook and clean and <laughs> do all those things and also how to change a tire and how to use a drill. So, well, and speaking at the group, so I was really impressed one by, you know, the level of engagement of the moms when I spoke to the moms group. I mean, there's, you know, it's it's so hard in this world where a lot of times both parents work and sometimes both parents work even multiple jobs, but there's nothing like parent involvement or grandparent involvement, right? Just caregiver involvement yeah, for, in a child's life. And then also when I spoke before the boys group on a separate occasion, right? So there were about like you said, 30 boys, and then there were maybe about uh, six or seven adults, parents around at that event. 
Um, it was interesting too, because I think it gave the boys an opportunity to be, to let their guards down around each other. They did, they didn't seem to be putting up this tough defense as much. Yep. Uh, they were, you know, they were uncertain and they seemed to feel safe being uncertain. And I think that that was a really wonderful thing that they could let their guards down like that. Absolutely. I think the more you give kids room in a safe space to ask questions and be engaged, they will be. I think a lot of times we expect the kids not to be engaged because <laughs> they want to be playing Fortnite or video games. But if you give them like the respect and the open space, they will completely engage. And especially if you're talking to them about things that they see and hear going on out in the world, um, they want to know, they want to know more and they want to be able to ask questions. Are you guys, how are you guys addressing or are you addressing, you know, this me too movement? I, I have a lot of friends with sons who are just really thinking about how can I raise the generation where me too won't be an issue. Have you guys talked about that at all within the group? We have. We've talked a lot about it, particularly with the moms about how to talk to boys about it. And, you know, there's a really broad range of what people are comfortable with. Um, you know, my point of view is you just got to tell people no one wants to, you got to tell boys, like no one wants to see your penis unless they ask you to. Like you just <laughs> can't. <laughs> it's called your private parts for a reason. Right. Um, you know, but I think boys need to be taught what's appropriate, especially now, because, you know, I think a lot, you know, some things I, you know, are cultural and things have shifted and what was okay 50 years ago about a pat on the butt you know, is completely unacceptable now. The world has changed and we have to teach boys what's okay and what's not okay because what was okay for your grandfather or what was okay for your grandmother is not okay now. Right. And so we're actually actively for the boys club are actively looking for men to come speak. We played the kids a couple of Ted talks that really talked about um, this issue uh, just to start getting them to get some language around it because we can't talk about it unless they know what we're talking about. And it really is so much, so much of it's new and new to us as, as women and parents, how to talk about these things and what's okay to say and what's not okay to say. And so, um, but I think it's our job now more than with, with the Me Too movement specifically, it's Marja, our job more than ever is to teach them parameters and teach them what's okay. And the male-female um, dichotomy is just, it's changed for the better, which is great, but the boys need to be taught. I have a friend who has children, two boys that are younger than uh, Harrison, so they're uh, seven and five. And I thought one thing that they're doing that's really smart is, you know, because you get into these tickle wars, but the, yeah. but the minute the boys say no, like I done, I'm done, the parents immediately stop and say, yes, I respect your body. This is your body. You get to say no. And that's yeah. why I'm going to stop tickling you. And, it, you know, as young as that, I think that's a really powerful message to send to respect people's body boundaries. That's a, that absolutely is. And it starts that young. You have to explain to people like your body, people can't touch you. And that goes for boys and that goes for girls. Janet, I have loved talking with you. Please tell me that you'll come back and we'll talk some more about when it's appropriate to show your penis and stuff like that. <laughs> Absolutely. It's never appropriate unless someone asks. <laughs>
<laughs> and is there any website that you'd like to direct people to if they want to find out more about what you do and how awesome you are? There is a Manage This Media website, I think. Sometimes it goes up and down, but <laughs> <laughs> I think it's up right now. If you want to know about all my awesome projects, which I'm super proud of. Thank you, Janet. All right. Thanks, Allegra. Bye. Bye. Coming up next, a fast, easy way to get more vegetables and almost eat a salad. You'll be surprised, and it's so delicious. After the tunes. And now for my tip. I was recently teaching a kid's cooking class, and my plan had been to teach them how to make spring rolls, basically kind of like a Thai or Vietnamese spring roll. If you've been to an Asian restaurant and eaten something where the roll was not fried and was wrapped in a cloudy white wrapper, that is a spring roll. So I love spring rolls. They're fun. You know, they're super fun and tactile to make for kids. But the challenge was I couldn't find the wrappers, which... It had to do with traffic. It wasn't that I didn't know where they were. I just couldn't get to them in time. It's an issue in LA, trust me. Anyway, so I decided, you know what? This salad is totally delicious enough on its own. You know, basically the contents of what we were going to put into the spring wrapper. Let's just do it as a salad. And the kids absolutely loved it. They didn't miss the spring rolls at all. Although I still want to do it with them because the spring rolls are so fun. So what I want to suggest to you is I'm going to talk you through this recipe. It's always been a big crowd pleaser for me when I make it. And I want to suggest to you that if you hate salads, then make it as a spring roll because it's really satisfying. It's really convenient to pack it up for a picnic and take it along with you and then you can eat it hands-free. And, you know, sometimes you have to play these mind games with yourself. You know, if you don't like salads, then make a spring roll. I, it's, it's practically like eating a salad, I'm telling you. So it's a great way to introduce yourself to vegetables and fall in love with them. Okay, so here's how it goes. You want to get some carrots, Persian cucumber. If, if you don't like cucumbers, you could get, you know, green bell peppers or celery instead, or even like sugar snap peas. Someone mentioned jicama. I, I always ask my students to come up with alternative ingredients that they like better. So jicama could be really fun. Then you also want to get some herbs. I like to use basil and mint. And if you can get purple basil, oh, it's so amazing. But any kind of basil and mint are both good. If you like cilantro, go for it. That would be amazing. And then maybe you want to put in some sort of protein. You know, you could put in chicken. You could do you could do nothing. I've done them without any sort of protein and they're delicious. You could also do braised tofu. Braised tofu is tofu that has been fried or pan fried so it holds together better. It doesn't fall apart the way uncooked tofu does and it's pretty easy to find. At least where I live in Los Angeles, you can get it at most grocery stores nowadays usually in the aisle with like the tofu dogs and that sort of thing. And sometimes it's called tofu cutlets, by the way. But if you see something that's tofu and is solid brown on the outside, that is braised tofu. You can also buy just raw tofu and lightly pan fry it in a little bit of oil and you'll get a similar, you'll get a similar outcome. Not as brown, but it'll hold together much better. Okay. So that's 
what you need, those are the ingredients for the inside of your wrapper. Now the wrapper, and you can get these easily online, but you can also find them at many stores if they have like an Asian food aisle, usually they'll have it. And it's called a rice paper spring roll wrapper. And basically they look like tortillas, but they're kind of a translucent white. And there's, they come about 24 in a pack and they're super hard, okay? And often, if you have trouble finding the wrapper, sometimes you can find rice noodles, which will give you absolutely a similar flavor. And you can mix those in with this, with these items, you know, the vegetables that I gave you before, the vegetables and herbs that I gave you before and make kind of a noodle salad, a cold noodle salad, which is also delicious, okay? But here's why I love the wrappers. They are really fun to work with because what happens is you have to boil some water and put it in like a pie plate type of pan and then you dip the wrappers in and they go from being really hard and when I say hard I mean really hard as in if you were to bite into these wrappers when they're dry you might cut some some of your gum line it's it's that hard but they soften up in a really fun way that is so it, it feels like you're playing when you make these spring rolls. So I, I haven't met an adult or a kid who isn't fascinated by the tactile reaction of working with spring roll wrappers, okay? So be careful because there is a point where they start to become so sticky and gooey that it's it's hard to work with them. It's like duct tape, right? It's always folding in on itself. So, you know, soak them for 20, 30 seconds. When they get to the point where you feel like you can bite into it comfortably, take it out because if you leave it in there longer, it's going to just become sticky mush, okay? So lay it out and then put strips of the vegetables and the mint and the the herb leaves. You know, you can put the herb leaves in whole and just do strips, either cut it or use a vegetable peeler. You know, if I'm working with kids that are too young to use a knife, I will encourage them to just vegetable peel a carrot and a Persian cucumber or celery. And so they can make their own spring rolls that way, which is really fun. And then you just kind of wrap it like a burrito, which means you fold in the bottom, you fold it up, then you fold in the sides, and then you try and hold the contents tight while you finish the folding of the entire, while you finish rolling up the entire wrapper. And there you go. You have a spring roll, which is so fun. And if you just want to you know, dip it in a little, I like to use tamari, which is a gluten-free soy sauce. Tamari, you can use tamari or you can use soy sauce, or you can go the extra mile and make a dip that I make that people <laughs> love this. Okay, so here you go. Get ready. You're going to love this. So you take equal amounts. Now, this is how I make it. And I encourage all my students, each of my students in my cooking classes makes their own version. So as many students as I have, there are that many different versions of this sauce. But here are the basic ingredients. Equal parts, ca ground cashews and ground almonds. You can use cashew butter and almond butter if you have those. Okay. So equal parts, cashews and almonds. And then you want to add a little bit to taste of tamari again, which is like the soy sauce, sesame oil. It can be toasted sesame oil. It can be not toasted sesame oil. It could be chili sesame oil. If you like spicy things, any of those are fine. A little bit of maple syrup. If you don't have maple syrup, you can use honey. Although I like the caramel flavors of maple syrup. So maple syrup and lemon juice. 
okay? And you add in a little bit of those and you just adjust until it's the way you want it to taste. Now, if it tastes too salty, that means you've added too much tamari. Balance it out with a little bit of lemon juice or a little bit of maple syrup. If it tastes too oily, that means you've put in too much sesame oil. Again, the lemon will help to cut the sesame oil, as will the maple syrup. Okay, so just adjust it. As the chef Jacques Pupin says, cooking is the art of adjustment. But I'm telling you, this dressing is... C'est magnifique! Everyone loves it, and I know you will too. And it's just a great way to get more vegetables and pretty much eat a salad. Thanks for tuning in today. If you thought the show was fun or useful, please let me know by leaving a comment at iTunes or wherever you tune in. They mean more than you know. You can also become a patron at patreon.com slash Allegra Ramos. I have great thank you gifts for my supporters and look forward to when I have 500 patrons and can hire an editor to help provide you with more great content. Subscribe to my podcast wherever you listen. And if you'd like to submit questions, you can email me at hello at AllegraRamos.com or download the free Anchor FM app and call into my show so I can play your question on the air. I'll see you in a couple of weeks for another dose of modern life, healthier, easier, and more fun. We'll be talking to my friend Christine, so send in your questions for her. Until next time, be a spark in the world. Over and out.